0: All right, let's get this show on the road. Welcome back, everybody, to the E-Hunter podcast. Got another fun podcast for you guys uh, today. Hope you guys are enjoying these podcasts. We're trying to be helpful, um, share some tips and tricks with you guys, resources, be that ultimate resource that you guys can use to help you in your hunting adventures. And uh, if you guys ever have questions, don't be afraid to to reach out. But before we get into the podcast, um, I guess I better first introduce my uh, my co-host, Seth. How you doing tonight, man? Good. How are you? Doing great, man. Yeah, sorry, we've been a little bit on a hiatus here with the podcast. <laughs> it's been busy. It has, yeah. You know, Seth and I work other full-time jobs, and so sometimes those get in the way of the the fun stuff that we want to do, which includes podcasts. But um, you know, we're we're trying to get as much out as we can for you guys. As always, check out the website. Um, we got a lot of stuff going up on there each and every day new articles about news or other kind of resources, so that's eHunter.com, E-H-U-N-T-R.com, check it out. Also, before we get going, we need to, to thank our, our sponsors. Um, first and foremost is Vortex Optics. Vortex is our main sponsor, our title sponsor of everything that we do here at Vortex, or wow, at eHunter, wow, that was kind of interesting. Um <laughs> But uh, grateful for those guys, and actually be on the lookout. I was was talking with the guys over there today, and um, got a new launch coming out here in the near future, so we'll try to put some stuff up on the website uh, as well as on the podcast about that, but um, pretty cool stuff coming out here in the near future, so excited for that, and we also have some new videos that will be coming out with, with some of their products for you guys as well. So, also on the podcast for sponsors this week is Grim Reaper, and I'm not actually super familiar with that, with them. Um, I know they make some awesome products, but Seth, you've been a, a long-time Grim Reaper user, haven't you?
1: I have, yeah. Clear back uh, 2011 or 2012, I started shooting them. Um, never never let me down. Uh, if I do my job, they do their job. Um, killed multiple animals with it, a couple deer, uh, a pronghorn, a um, just does everything you can ask from a blade or a broadhead. They they fly great. Um, I've never like say I know every everybody seems to have a, an opinion on mechanicals, but I've I've never had an issue. Uh, the last two years I've actually been shooting their uh, Karna fours, so it's a four blade mechanical. Um, really really good performance out of them. So couldn't couldn't be more happy.
0: A four blade mechanical, huh?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be a nasty, nasty beast (laughs) when that thing hits an animal.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I saw them and I was like, man, that's, that's going to make a mess. So uh, I've been shooting them like say this year and last year. Um, I've just got to do my job and actually get something with them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No joke. Well, I'm, um, I'm excited to use them, put them into my quiver and, um, you know, see if I can't get some animals down with it, uh, with them myself, but appreciate them sponsoring the podcast. Um, awesome company, awesome guys too. So we, we do want to shout out them, appreciate them, um, and them supporting, uh, eHunter and, and this podcast. So thank you guys. Appreciate it.
1: Yep. Thanks guys.
0: So we're going to jump into it today and, um, what we kind of thought about sharing with you guys today, since we're getting close to the hunt starting, I think we're all getting pretty antsy. For next month to come and, and those archery seasons to start, and, and so what we wanted to provide for you guys today this week is um, some tips and tricks around spot and stock hunting. And actually, in Utah, it's not going to be much spot and stock. You set water, and they're going to probably going to come in because it's so. Freaking dry in, in Utah right now. Um, scary. I'm actually sitting in Colorado right now, and um, it rained pretty hard all day, and it's pretty much rained every single day they said for the last forever. So they just kind of rubbed that in a little bit. But it's rude. <laughs> <laughs> but spot and stalk is a big part of hunting um, in the West. You know, out east for you guys, I know that's a lot of tree stand hunting, and it's it's kind of hard to spot and stalk just because of the geography out there. But for Western hunting, spot and stalking is is really a lot of how you do it, um, and, and so we'd like to share some some tips and tricks with you guys. Maybe these things are things that you've used in the past, or maybe these are you're new to hunting, and it's not something that you're even have even thought about. So we want to share the, these tips with you guys and just kind of talk through this a little bit because I I personally spot spot and stalk is my favorite way to hunt. I mean that's how I do most of my hunting. Is that how your hunting has been, Seth?
1: Yes, but by, by and large, I, I I don't have the patience. Uh, these these uh, Eastern guys have me on that. I I don't have the patience to sit water very often. Uh, I, I have to find the animal and, and go get it. <laughs>
0: mm, yeah, I don't mind sitting water. Like I I can do it. Especially I'll sit back in a in a ground blind or something like that and read a book. And dude, I could sit there all day long as long as I got something good to drink and something good to eat and something to a book or something to entertain me i played a lot of candy crush you <laughs> know in, in a ground blind too so but so i can do that but i i agree like i like to be out and going and honestly i've had more success spotting doing the spot and stock and so um with that success hopefully and seth also has had a lot of success with it so hopefully some of the things that we share with you guys today will be will be helpful and something that will help you be more successful in the field as well and so seth i'm going to turn it over to you to kick us off and share some of the the key points that you have for uh spot and stock okay
1: well we'll start with the the first part of uh spot and stock and that's that's spotting the animal um so typically you know i I grew up and and we just uh drove around in a vehicle on a dirt road and glass from the dirt road, we, we were not the best at, at finding good glassing locations and, uh, locating wildlife. But as I gotten older, I've, I've learned, uh, what spots, you know, what to look for in a glassing spot, how much distance can I cover? Can I sit in this area and, and cover a lot of ground with my eyes? Uh, saves walking, you know, saves uh, the, uh, amount of time you're you're spending covering ground with your feet instead you're covering it with your eyes trying to locate something um the the number one thing i do and Taryn and you may do this as well when i first come to an area um i'm gonna glass um i glass everything close you know with you know 50 yards and, and then out to maybe 250 or 300 because i don't want to have a, a deer or an elk or whatever i'm looking for um notice me first and, and get away when there was an opportunity close. Um, after I, I cover my, my areas close, I, I kind of pick large, uh, structures or landmark stuff that draws your eyes to them, to them, cover all those areas. Um, if I, I can't really pick anything up, then I really start picking the mountain apart. I slow down in my glassing, um, look at little draws, drainages, uh, vegetation growth, stuff that, that the animal may be using for cover or feed. Um, if I know there's some water in the area, I kind of use that as a, a honing point. I'll, I'll, stray from it, but I always come back as I'm glassing to see if something's snuck into the, the water source while I'm glassing. Um, and you know, glassing is a big part of it. And Obviously, the first part of spot and stock. So if you can't if you can't spot them, you can't stock them.
0: That's exactly it. And you guys have heard us talk a lot about it uh, you know, of of glassing. I mean, we've talked. I think you and I talked a lot about glassing on this podcast. Don't you think? <laughs> 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 we it's huge. I mean, it's it's honestly how we do a lot of what we do when it comes to hunting. And, and this is where I'm going to give the shout out to, again to, to Vortex Optics because. I mean, they're a staple in what I do in the spotting end of this. Um, I use an array of of different things, and I've talked about these in the past, but I'll I'll talk about them again. Um, I have the Razer 10 by 42 ultra-high-definition binoculars. And I like, you know, everybody's going to be like, oh, well, why not use the 18s or the 12s? And, dude, any of those are great optics. I mean, the reason I use the 10s is I feel like I get a wider field of view and the quality of those binoculars are so freaking good that you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out that animal um, out there somewhere if I really take the time to be patient and focus on what I'm looking at. So I use those. And then I also use the Razer HD uh, spotting scope. Once, so once I locate it with my binoculars, then I'll switch over to my, my spotting scope and really kind of dial in to figure out what I'm looking at. Um, Usually with my my binos, I know if it's a nice buck or a nice bull, um, but then I will use the the spotting scope to really look at the details. So yeah, I agree with you, Seth, that that spotting part of it is kind of you know obviously where you start, but to be able to spot an animal, you've got to you still got to be patient. You know we talked about sitting in a in a blind or a tree stand, and we don't have the patience for that. Well, glassing you still have to have that patience. If you're one of those people that gets behind a set of binos, and especially if you don't use a tripod, gets behind a set of binos and just hurries and glasses over the hillside, you're gonna miss so much. I can't tell you how much my hunting experience has changed since I I got a, a tripod, I put my binos on the tripod, and I will I'll put it in one location and I'll just sit there and look at that one area that my that field of view that I have on my tens for minutes before I move to a you know move it over a little bit. And I, it's amazing because you'll pick out a hoof, or you'll pick out the tip of a, an antler, or you know something that you just normally wouldn't pick out. So be patient with it. Take the time to, to really glass, and then Seth, kind of to your point, yeah, I think I think that's how we all used to hunt was you drive around the truck, you drink Mountain Dew, and hopefully something jumps up, right? <laughs> right. And
1: to to an extent, I mean, we definitely did that. But me and my cousin started to learn pretty pretty early on, even in you know, even in the truck, we would stop at a pullout or, you know, something. And we would actually take the time to look where uh, a lot of guys would pull up, you know, in front of us or behind us or whatever other hunters would pull up, throw their glasses up, be there for 35 seconds in the pullout and take off. Yep. Like I, yep. I can't count. Even when we were hunting young bucks, just anything with horns growing up horns. See that's hillbilly mm. talk antlers. <laughs> um Uh, you, you know sheep,
0: so it's all right. Right,
1: we would we would park, and we would actually take some time. And I can't tell you how many times we'd find a buck laying up under a, a cedar tree. You could just see his legs or something at first, mm-hmm. and you start breaking it down, and you're like, you know what, that's a buck. And numerous times we'd shoot a buck, and there'd be guys driving up and down the dirt road right past us yep. that parked in the same pole out and they're like, they pull up and like, how did you see that deer? I'm like, just look. I mean, that's yep. and don't don't actually you know, quote unquote, look, look like yeah. actually break the mountain down. Um, and it's kind of hard to put into words, but it's kind of like Terrence. said: slow down, spend a lot of time in each position in, in your field of view. And, and to Terrence point, I, I do something similar. I have my my 10 by 50s that I I glass normally with. And then if I see something I want more detail on, I pull out my 18s, my Vortex 18s. Um, UHDs and really look at the the animal once I've located them with my my 10 by 50s.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know another point, you know, because we and it's okay, yeah, to, to cruise around on your side by side or in your truck and get to a point and glass, and then you know if you spend a good 30 45 minutes there glassing and you don't see anything, haul butt to the next spot and and look. But I also want to say that you know. It helps to get off the road, you know. Find a spot, and I, I've, in the areas that I hunt, I know of areas that I can, I can park and I can hike not that far. I don't have to, you don't have to hike twenty miles to get to a spot, but you hike to a the to top of a hill or a, you know, find those areas. Spend the time whether you're it's when you're shed hunting, or or whatever you're doing. So yeah, so get up where you can can see a, a good a good field of view um, I, I don't think there's a, the, enough that can be said about getting to a place a little bit off the road up on top of a hill where you can kind of get away from things and glass areas that aren't seen from the road and like I said in my areas that I hunt I've, I know those areas very well that I can get up glass and I and I like areas that I can get up to and, and glass for hours and not be able to cover the entire time because or the entire geography because like I said, I, I spent a lot of time in one specific spot looking around. But um, with the glass that we have these days, it's, we're, we have such an advantage. And we need to take advantage of that and not take it for granted. Because the glass is so amazing. Use that glass to make yourself more successful as a hunter. And so get to where you need to get. Spend the time. Be patient. And you can, uh, I, I promise, I, I I promise you will find more animals if you're able to do that again, my life, my hunting life has changed since using a tripod. And actually, a really quick tip for you guys. And I know this is silly, because and actually, I had a guy the other day ask me on my on the tripods because I did a tripod review. A guy sent me a message and said, "Hey, what's a little hook on the bottom of a tripod for?" And so that's <laughs> actually a counterweight for stabilization. So they make little things, that, little weights that you can put on there. But one thing that I've done and you guys can call me a redneck. You can call me whatever you want to call me. I made a little bag that I can fill with rocks. I made it out of Levi's, an old pair of Levi's and a rope. And so when I'm glassing, I'll fill that bag full of rocks, hook it around that hook, and that thing it locks that tripod to the ground. There's no shaking in my binos or my spotting scope when I'm looking through it. So just a little uh, tidbit of, of information there. That hook is for a, a counterbalance weight. And uh, I use it. You'll be surprised at how well it stabilizes your glass when you're looking through it. So um, the ways the the reason I got into doing that was because I've got a friend that's really into photography, and he uses it when he's doing photography for wildlife. And he says, "Oh, dude, it's a game changer for for taking pictures." He's like, "It it took the quality of my pictures up four notches." So, anyways, cool little tidbit there for uh, that, but. Spotting, obviously, is the beginning of the spot and stock. Take the time. Get out there. Spend the time to, to really s- to spot the area. So then we'll jump into what happens, what you do next once you once you spot that. And I'll kind of jump into this, Seth, and I'll, I'll turn it back over to you to chat, or you can cut me off and tell me to shut up at any moment. but You're good. Go ahead. <laughs> so it, it really, my answer to that question is really depends on what animal I'm hunting. So I'll use my two main animals that I hunt, for examples. Um, but you know, if you're hunting sheep or you're hunting antelope or something different, you know, it, your approach may be a little bit different. But so once I've spotted, I'm gonna start with uh, an elk. So what I like to do when I see elk is I actually like to move. Um, I really like to put the stock on, and because the thing with elk is, especially if you're hunting them during the rut, they don't mind noise. You know, that noise really doesn't bother them that much. It's Smell it, and then you know, seeing something move. And so, if I see an elk that I want to go after, I'll get moving pretty quickly to get down to to be on the right side of the wind of that elk, and to get in front of that elk if he's moving. Um, so I really don't spend a lot of time just sitting there watching what he's doing. And, and Seth, you can tell me your thoughts on it. But I also want to jump into if I if I'm hunting mule deer, it's a completely different approach for me. So if I'm hunting mule deer, which you know out here in the West we usually hunt mule deer late summer, what I will do is I won't do a thing. I'll I'll just sit there and glass, and I I won't take my eyes off of him. I get kind of crazy because I feel like if I take my eyes off of him, I'm going to lose him. I, I'm like really suspicious or superstitious about that, and so um, I'll just sit there and keep my eyes on him. And what I try to do with with mule deer is stay on that mule deer buck until. He lays down, beds down for the day. Um, That's how I've been the most successful with mule deer. Because the thing about mule deer is if they hear any kind of noise, if they smell you, see you, anything, they're gone. And they are gone. And so, um, so I like to let them get bedded down. Then I can really spend the time while I'm watching him to see what the wind's doing so I know which side of the wind to get on or which side of the animal to get on so I'm not... You know, so the wind, I, I don't have the wind against me. And so that's my, really my approach for uh mule deer. Seth, is yours similar to those, with those two animals?
1: Yeah. So especially uh, I'll just go into both of those quick uh, elk. 100% agree. When, when we hunt elk, typically you're hunting them in the rut or near the rut. Go because like you say, they're okay with noise. They, they are loud by nature that time of year, they're cracking, they're breaking stuff. A little bit of noise is not going to freak him out. Um, Go get him. Um, Mule deer. I will say, depending on the geography, yes, your your way is by far the most successful. If you are in an area where you can see that buck bed and he's not going into a jungle, you know, like, like even if I guess it all depends on the elevation of where he's bedding. If he's bedding on the exact same elevation that you are sitting on, watching in thick cover it's very hard to kill them when they're bedded because you can't see where they are exactly bedded good point but but yes if they're in the big open country 100 i've gotten on a ton of deer that way you watch them until they bed you get the wind right and you go get them once they're bedded another thing you want to be aware of a lot of the time though with mule deer is run it in your head how long it's going to take you to get over there because so many times I've seen a nice deer or a buck bed down in the shade, it takes you 30 minutes, an hour, you know, two hours, whatever, to get to where he is, and the sun has changed enough, he gets up and moves. Yep. If you're in mid-stock and you're 300 yards away, he stands up and sees you, game over. Yeah. So you, you'll want to really kind of run that through your mind and see how to do it. But, yeah, I, I've, I've had issues where I have found my best bucks lately on the unit I hunt here in Utah is on very similar planed elevation, and they're bedding in cedars, mm-hmm. and you cannot see where they go to bed. So I've had to get really creative and try to cut them off
0: going where they're going to. Those buggers, too. I swear, every time I'm stalking a mule deer, they always have the does around like little satellites. Yeah, and I swear those things. If anybody knows what you know, like when a doe blows, you, you know what I'm talking about, Seth. No, yes. Oh man, I, there is nothing that pisses you off more <laughs> than a freaking doe that you're you're sneaking in on this buck, and he's got does around him, and she blows, and as soon as she blows, the whole group is gone, and they're gone in a freaking he's hurry. To... Yep. Yep. Oh, pisses yeah, I, me off.
1: A young hunter, my uh, wife's cousin, we went out bow hunting, and he he had bow hunted very little, uh, but I knew the area kind of, uh, my section of of the unit, he hunted a different section. I knew it pretty well, and I'm like, dude, we can see a lot of deer bed over here, and we'll get you on one. So, I took him over, and we spotted so many nice bucks, so many shooters, just whatever, for whatever reason, they were everywhere that morning, Mm -hmm. Um, and four of the five stocks were blown when we were about 250 to 300 yards from them by does.
0: <laughs> Oh,
1: makes you freaking crazy that fourth the fourth stock afterwards we're walking back to the truck and he goes bow hunting effing stuff <laughs> <laughs> and I was like it's, I'm like dude this is just it I'm like you get to see him but it's hard to kill him uh, somebody um,
0: should put that on a shirt. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, think I, they wonder who did. Did.
1: I wonder who did, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, we got to the – the fifth buck we seen was a small a small buck. Uh, and it was with a doe and a fawn, and they had bedded under a skeeter. And he's like, how would you get on him? So I told him what I would do, and he's like, come with me. I'm like, dude, two guys being quiet enough to get on a deer is pretty hard. And he's like, that's fine. Just come with me. I was like, all right. So we did it, and we snuck up to him. And I had the rangefinder, and he had his bow and whatnot. And we got to the tree or we got, we, we had the tree as a marker and we got to about 25 yards and we could see the doe and the fawns bodies underneath the tree, but we couldn't see the buck. And I was like, dude, he's right here. Get ready. Cause I'm like, he's going to come out of there. He was young, but he jumped up, took two jumps and stopped. And I range finded him and it was 40 yards. I was like, he's 40 and he shot and smoked him. Nice. But, I was like, "Does it suck now?" And he was like, "That was pretty. That was pretty cool." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah but it does suck to have big bucks laying there and you can't get to them because of all the does."
0: You know, you brought up a very good point, and that is, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that hunt with a cameraman with them these days. You mm-hmm. know, we all want to be the the big time hunter that you know, hit gets a right. YouTube hit and all of a sudden everybody knows. That's kind of a thing, but. um so, hunt, trying to stalk when you have a, a a second person with you, whether that's a cameraman, whether it's your friend, like your situation, or or whatever, man, that is, that's a game changer. Like I, actually, I have only been successful one time where there's two of us that uh, that hiked in there, and it was on an elk, it wasn't even on a mule deer. So, it's yeah. that's that's tough. I've All
1: had right. one successful dual stock and that was that buck we both went in and snuck in on him and he was young like i say it was not a great big buck or anything but yeah yeah, usually if it's a big buck you gotta go solo and hope you get lucky and no dozer in the road and
0: (laughs) with the camera equipment that we have these days you know it's pretty easy to for the cameraman to stay back though and and video from from afar and actually i like the shots better because then you have the hunter in the picture and I think right. it actually looks pretty dang cool, but hey, going back to the elk, I want to share a quick story, and I and I may have shared this with you guys in the past as well, so forgive me if I have. But you know, don't waste time with elk. We already talked about that because they will. I mean, they're gonna move pretty quickly, even if they're feeding, they move pretty quickly, and so and they'll move a long ways. So waiting for them to bed, you can do it. You can sit there and wait for them to bed if you got a big open space, but. um, you know, I've, I've had times, and I'll, I'll share one experience where we were watching some elk move down a draw, and this is where my dual uh, spot and stock where there's me and my brother, but, you know, we saw these elk moving down this draw, and the wind, it was still early, it was early in the morning, and the wind was kind of coming at their back, coming down the draw, and so, you know, we, we could tell that from, from spotting, and so we, we hauled butt down that, down a different draw where they couldn't see us to the bottom, and then hop over to the draw that they were on to get ahead of them, and we made all sorts of noise. I remember rocks rolling down the hill. I remember us, well, I remember my brother slipping and falling, and me wanting to kick him in the butt for for doing <laughs> that, and, <laughs> but we were making a ton of noise coming down that mountain, but it didn't phase those animals. My dad stayed up at the truck, and uh, we asked him, after we had got the, the elk down, we said, Do they even pay attention to us running down that mountain did they like look up at us or anything like that and he's like dude they didn't even flinch like they didn't even listen to you guys at all he's like it's like they didn't even hear you they had to have heard us i mean elk have an unbelievable um sense of hearing but don't waste time with elk get get in get in on them um get close and then also another thing that i wanted to talk about is when you get close kind of going back to what we talked about with spotting is is be patient, be extremely patient as you do get close. Because if you are close within that animal to that animal, um, let that situation come to you. Don't try to force it. Even on elk, I, I know I just said haul butt to get to the elk, but once it gets close, don't don't force the issue. Wait for that that good opportune moment where you'll have a good shot at them. Um, I'm also going to throw out a, a shout out to um, a friend of ours and a former sponsor on the podcast, which is Sneak Tech Boots. Um, you know if, if you guys have, have ever used those boots they're wonderful because you can really get in close without the animal hearing you and you don't have to step on all these burrs and crap like that in your socks so it's it's a whole lot better so they just strap onto your boot and you know you can really kind of get in there close without making a sound but but going back to it with especially when you have those on just be very patient move slowly when you get in there close and let that situation come to you if it doesn't don't Yes, bow hunting sucks, and you're gonna be pissed, but don't let it ruin your hunt. Don't let it ruin your day. I mean, I can't tell you how many ruined spots, spot and stocks I've had to the number of successful spot and stocks I've had It's, it's probably a hundred to one sadly, uh, maybe not quite that bad, but it's it's pretty crazy what the percentages would be. So just be patient and then don't get uh, don't get upset if it doesn't work out. Um, it just—I look at every single spot and stock that doesn't work out as a learning opportunity, and, and I learn from each and every single one of them. Um, I would consider myself a seasoned hunter now, and I still learn something on every single spot and stock. And you know, we—we we didn't talk about other animals, but you'll find that uh, other animals are a completely different experience. You have to approach those situations differently, and I, we don't have enough time to go through every single one of them. But um, just enjoy the process and learn from it, each and every one of them. Wouldn't you agree, Seth? Oh,
1: yeah, 100%. The more you do it, the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to realize there's no way I'm going to make this stock work. But but at the same time, there's those times where sometimes you've just got to do it. So I'll share a really quick one. So my dad had a limited entry archery deer tag in 2016. Um, He was out there the day, one of the days by himself. He told me that this one buck we had been chasing was bedded in these rocks and he had gotten to about 150 yards and the buck hurt him or something and got up and took off. So that next day I went out to help him and that buck went embedded in the exact same spot.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm like go get him. I'm like yeah. go go get him and he's like no, he he spooked last time. He'll he'll see me, he'll hear me, something he's he's going to spook again. And I was like, "Dude, you can get him." I'm like, "I promise just and I was telling him, "Go up the draw make a little J hook and come right over that rock and he'll be right there. And I, no matter how many, how much talking I did, my old man would not do it. He's like, he's not going to do it. And I says, okay, well, what do you want to do? And don't do this. Cause in all my times I've never had it work. It might work, but I've never had it. Work. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to go up the Canyon that he escaped and I'm going to sit on his escape route. You're just going to walk over there. Kind of, you know, kind of sneaky, but kind of normal. And just get him up and see if he'll go up that same escape route. I've never had this work. Someone might have, I've never had this work. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I was being sneaky, but I wasn't like crazy panicked about noise or quietness or anything. Um, I did exactly what I told my dad to do. Go up the draw, Jay hook around, come over this rock, and he'll be right there. And And sure enough, I did that. The buck stood up. I pretended to draw back three or four different times, pretended to send the pin on him, do all this stuff, and he just sat there and looked at me. And then he turned and ran to a completely different escape route than where my old man was at. Oh, my gosh. So, if my old man would have just done it, I range-finded like, I had time to range-find the buck. He was he was 41 yards away. Wow. Um, I'm like, dude, if I had a tag, he'd have been dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, yep. That's and easy. 40-yard shot. It, it but it
1: never fails either because if I would had the tag, I know that buck would have never gave me that chance. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: true. That's, that's usually how it works out. <laughs> it's just karma or something. But yeah, yeah I, I
1: snuck right up on him. No problems. Um, but but yeah, don't, I, I've never had any success with trying to jump them and, and hit their ambush point. No. Or their escape route. Um, Not to say it doesn't happen. If they had to cover like a huge, like if you're in a real open area, and you sat at the, the next edge, like the next set of trees, that might work. You know, if he's spooking out of one, and he runs three or 400 yards to the next set of quakies or something, mm-hmm. and you're sitting in the edge of the quakies,
0: you might be able to catch him, but he's up, he's hyper alert. It's going to be a little bit harder to do. See, I don't even like doing that with a gun anymore, that whole spooking him up, and right to catch him as they, they get out of there. I, I used to. I used to try to do that, and, I walked many, many miles and scared him up, and then shot up and I'd shot him, but man, right. if you tr- truly do spot and stock the way it's supposed to be done it, it's such a better way to hunt it gives you you know better opportunities i should say to make to make good shots, make good ethical shots um it also lets you know really what you're what you're going after too 'cause can't tell you how many times I've spotted decent bucks and be like, eh. Yeah, maybe not yet. We'll, we'll wait. Um, if I would have been spooking them and, and, or jumping them up and shooting them, I would have shot and like, oh, well, here's what I've got here. So, you know, it, it, I think spot and stalk, if you do it the, the way it should be done, is, is a much better way to to hunt animals. And, you know, if, I think if you follow these tips and tricks that we, we talked about today, you'll find yourself um, quite a bit more successful. But in the end, um, be patient have fun learn from every encounter that you have i mean animals are animals they're they're so different they're just like human beings all of us are different all of us react to situations differently animals are are the same way they they also learn if you have an old buck he's going to behave differently than a young buck like exactly what seth just was talking about so you know just just enjoy the process enjoy the, each situation so uh seth anything else you want to add to the to this?
1: i think we gave him a pretty good feel for for some tactics to use and stuff like that.
0: Cool. What's going on, E Hunter? Anything new uh, and ex- exciting?
1: Uh, <laughs> ton of new
0: news coming out
1: every day, man, to keep it keeping people up to date. Um I've got new recipes out there. If you guys like sweet sweet pork tacos. I did one on venison sweet pork. It's one of my favorite ways to cook it. Um I've got like I say we've got a couple different uh cartridge articles that have come out What you know good deer rifle cartridge good uh pronghorn uh cartridges and stuff like that so there's a lot on there uh
0: yeah
1: i like yeah. say i do my best to keep people keep, keep people uh in the know
0: yeah got a lot going on social media guys check us out there be posting frequently um some cool stuff try to share stuff if you guys tag us in your uh instagram posts we'll try to share it on our stories Uh, A lot of people ask what what that's all about and just trying to share everybody's content, just trying to create a community with everybody and have fun with it. So, um, yeah, tag us in your posts on Instagram. We'd love to see what you guys are doing. We also just uh, started a TikTok page. Um, Seth is going to become a master of TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll be honest with you guys. I'm probably going to use it more
1: uh, as like a, a news, quick news type thing to say, hey, These are some of the articles we're looking at today or tomorrow or whatever. Check them out, stuff like that. I'll find some funny hunting stuff. We'll put it on there. Yeah,
0: (laughs) And I'll be putting uh, podcast stuff up on there and uh, merchandise, apparel, things like that. We'll we'll put that kind of stuff up on there. Um, But it's a fun application. I don't know if there's many of you guys out there that use TikTok. It's something that I kind of poo-pooed for a long time. Um, I finally got it recently and... I've actually it's become my favorite uh social media platform i i freaking laugh my guts out every time i i hop on there so so if you're on tiktok jump on follow us um let us know what you guys like on there let us know the pages that you guys like to follow and um also let us know what what you want on there from us so make sure that you guys are subscribed to the podcast and please guys if you wouldn't mind share it with a, a friend a family member anybody that's um into hunting, wants to get into hunting. Uh, we want to build this community. We want to be the ultimate resource for you guys. Also, real quick, Seth, I want to give a shout out to a buddy of mine. Um, this guy listens to every podcast that we do, so I know that he's he's listening to this podcast. But um, Tyler Stout, he's a, a good friend of mine. Lives in the same hometown as I live in now, and uh, cool guy. But I just want to tell him thank you for uh, supporting us at E Hunter. Like I said, he listens to every podcast. He reads all of our articles. He's just a a cool dude deserves a, a shout out. So we appreciate him and we appreciate all of you guys that, that support us here at, uh, Hunter. but please, please share the podcast around and, uh, let us know if there's anything that you guys want on here. Um, anything that you want to share with us. So again, yeah, appreciate you guys, you guys. Oh, sorry. If, if you
1: guys have a story or something you want to talk to us about, or we want to, if you want us to share it on a, on a podcast or something like that, let us, let us know that way too. Um, we're more than happy to, to share it on a hunting story podcast or something like that.
0: So. Yeah, and if you have expertise in a certain area and want to jump on and say, hey, I, I really know this topic really well, and I feel like it could be a resource for other people, I'd uh, love to have you on as a guest. So just let us let us know what's, uh, what's going on, and we could uh, make some things work out like that. So anyways, appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you again to Vortex and Grim Reaper. Appreciate the, the support and sponsorship of the podcast. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you. See See
1: ya.